Sometimes things happen that we, we can't quite put our finger on. We don't really know why they happened or how they happened. It's sort of outside of the realm of, you know, our understanding. And, uh, you know, it's hard for us to compartmentalize what um, transpired. But, you know, we always find a way. And, uh, you know, if you, you, um, if you try hard enough, you can, you, uh, you know, you, uh, there's an old saying that goes, um, you know, can't explain something uh don't try because you're gonna you're gonna end up hurting yourself thinking thinking too hard about that one and you know you, you don't want to do that because that, that's gonna that's gonna mess you up in the long run so uh if you could just uh you know reach into your pocket for me and uh you know oh what's that in your hand what, what you got there in your hand you just pull out your pocket what's that oh that's uh that's two tickets two tickets to the bonkers theater It was a pleasant day in East Chester, Washington. A small, pleasant town just east of West Chester, Washington. In that town was a small young lady by the name of Anne Hall. She was a senior in her high school and was quite popular. Everyone adored her and she had lots of friends and had lots of admirers too. When Anne would open her locker each day, it would be filled with love letters that many different admirers would slip in. She enjoyed the attention, but did wish that didn't happen every day, because it was really hard for her to get her books between classes, and she wouldn't dare keep all of her books in her book bag throughout the day, because then her book bag would sag and it looked really weird. Anne would go from class to class throughout the day and dazzle all of her teachers and classmates with her charm and intellect. When the bell rang at the end of the day, Anne returned to her locker and grabbed the books that she would need to study for homework and placed the books she wouldn't need into her locker. Then, on the bus ride home, she sat next to her best friend, Veronica, who had been her best friend since childhood. Unfortunately, the two didn't have any classes together this year, but enjoyed sitting next to each other on the bus ride home. Most girls their age had cars, and they had cars too, but they both opted to ride the bus because they thought it was really fun and cool. On the bus ride, Anne's best friend explained to her that she got a new job at the town's pet shop and how she was excited because today would be her first day at the store. Anne was really excited and happy for her friend. Just then, her friend pointed out the window. Look, there it is, she exclaimed. Sure enough, Anne looked and could see the pet shop outside the window of the moving bus. Mr. Turner's Animal Emporium, the sign read. The building itself was nothing to write home about, but standing outside was a tall man in a Hawaiian shirt and baggy cargo pants, removing a help-wanted poster from the store window. This must have been Mr. Turner. 
The bus arrived at the two girls' big, expensive, gated community where big, expensive people lived. The school bus was, of course, not allowed in the big, expensive, gated community because bus drivers are poor and usually really gross and unsightly. Two girls got off the bus and were let through the big, shiny, silver gates and proceeded to their big, expensive houses. The bus then pulled away to drop off the rest of the kids at their poor neighborhoods. Anne arrived in her house and was greeted by her butler, Charles, who offered her a big plate of sushi or whatever rich people eat. She complied and ate a bunch of yummy sushi and stuffed her cheeks and chewed. It was so yummy and delicious, and it was also really expensive. Probably the best sushi anyone could have ever imagined. It was flown in straight from the top sushi chef in Korea, which surprisingly has better sushi than Japan when it comes to the quality of the sushi. The sushi had been stored in a special box that Ann's dad had paid a team of really smart scientists to design to keep sushi 100% fresh being flown internationally. It was also flown in on a really expensive jet that could make the trip from Korea to Washington in just under two hours. Really is amazing what being really, really rich can do. After the sushi, Anne proceeded up to the fourth floor of her beautiful home, ascending in her gorgeous elevator made her way to her room. When she arrived in her room, she jumped onto her Alaskan king-sized bed, which is bigger than an Alberta king, which is bigger than a Texas king, which is bigger than a Wyoming king, which is bigger than a California king, and so on. The point is, It was a very, very big bed because she was very, very wealthy. She picked up her novelty red shoe phone that she won at school for selling the most fashion magazines and began dialing her best friend Veronica's number before realizing that her best friend had explained that she had got a new job and would be working today. Anne then decided that she could go visit her best friend at her new job as a nice surprise. Anne jumped out of her awesome bed and sprinted down the sexy spiral staircase down to the garage. Anne then got into her big pink luxury convertible that made a beep beep noise when you honked the horn, and also when he jumped into it, which it did when Anne jumped in. Anne pushed on the gas really hard and went flying down the road really fast towards Mr. Turner's Animal Emporium. Anne arrived at the pet shop and entered, hoping to pleasantly surprise her best friend at her new job. She walked through the door, which rang a loud bell that scared all the animals in the store. The animals started to grasp 
at the bars of their cages and scream and bark and howl and run around and make all sorts of a commotion. Anne had never heard something so loud and scary in her entire life. was blown away by this event. But nonetheless, she was determined to surprise her best friend at work and hoped that she would still be able to get the drop on her, or realize that it would probably be really unlikely with how loud her entrance was. But despite all the noise, her best friend was nowhere to be seen. Instead, Anne was greeted by the man she assumed was Mr. Turner, who appeared behind the counter at the entrance of the store. Hi, I think my friend is supposed to be working here today. Do you know if she's in? Anne asked the man, noticing that his name tag read out Mr. Turner, confirming her suspicions. Does your friend happen to be named Veronica? Mr. Turner asked in response. Why, yes she is, Anne excitedly replied. Well, I'd hate to inform you, but unfortunately Veronica didn't show up for work today. Mr. Turner answered as he pulled out the help wanted sign Anne had seen him previously take down before. Anne was confused. It's very uncharacteristic for Veronica to have not shown up for work, especially after how excited she seemed on the bus ride home. Mr. Turner proceeded to place the help wanted sign back in the window and turned to Anne. Feel free to have a look around the store, and if you need a job, it looks like I have an opening. Anne nodded and proceeded to look around the store. The place truly was an animal emporium. She walked down the sea creature aisle and was greeted by all kinds of fascinating creatures. There were fish and critters of all shapes and sizes. First among them were deep sea creatures, which could be barely made out because of the tint in the tanks as to not let any light in. All that could be seen was writhing of tendrils and strange appendages with hints of bioluminescent glowing. As she progressed down the aisle, the creatures were the kind you would find in shallower parts of the ocean. This store had to have every kind of sea creature you could think of. It was far more intriguing than any aquarium Anne had ever been to. Even when her rich parents would take her to very exclusive and exotic aquariums, that housed rare and endangered species from around the globe, Anne wasn't sure that some of the creatures that she saw on the aisle even really existed, and that maybe her eyes had just been playing tricks on her. She progressed down the aisle for an indeterminate amount of time, as the tanks became more and more shallow until she reached the end of the aisle, that now housed amphibious creatures. The aisle then wrapped around the next, which contained all sorts of different reptiles of all kinds of different shapes and sizes and hues and tones. The creatures seemed to grow larger and larger as she went down this aisle. The 
creatures were anywhere from wet and slimy to cold and mean. She wanted nothing to do with these guys. She finally reached the end of the reptile aisle and went down the next, which was a much needed change of pace. This aisle contained different furry little critters. It was very enjoyable to traverse down. Anne was enamored by all of the cute little furry creatures she saw in this aisle. She saw hamsters, rabbits, weasels, rats, mice, raccoons, cats, and most importantly, dogs. Anne had quite the affinity for dogs. This store had the most amazing selection of dogs. With a selection like this, Anne could see why the store required help. Anne browsed the selection of dogs for a while. They were all quite adorable and had happy, smiling faces and looked like they were ready to be bought by a loving owner. It's almost as if someone had trained them on how to attract a potential buyer. They all were doing their best puppy dog eyes despite some of their ages. They would even go and sit on a toilet inside of their cages to show that they were potty drained. Some would do flips and tricks. Some would even dance on their hind legs. But one of these dogs stood out to Anne amongst all of them. It was a Yorkshire Terrier. Unlike most Yorkshire Terriers, were usually rather stoic. It wore a strange expression on its face. It was a face of desperation, fear, and worry. But yet, through all that, there was a glare of hope in its eyes. Anne was drawn to the poor pup and crouched down, pressing her hand against the glass of the enclosure. The terrier began to paw against the glass at her hand. Please don't touch the glass, a voice instructed Anne. Anne turned to find Mr. Turner standing behind her. This dog, Anne began to say, how much is this dog here? This dog is not for sale, replied Mr. Turner. And he wouldn't want this dog anyway. It's a mangy little mutt with no manners. Anne stood to her feet and balled her hands into fists. This is the only dog I want. I'll pay whatever you want for the dog. Mr. Turner's eyes were cold and unmoved. If you promise to work here tomorrow, I will allow you to have that dog. Anne's eyes lit up. She agreed to work the following day and Mr. Turner allowed her to have the dog. Anne asked how much she owed the gentleman, but he allowed for her to have the dog for free since she promised to come into work the next day. Anne was so happy and took her brand new pet out to her car and sat it in the passenger seat. As Anne drove away, she could see Mr. Turner once again taking down the help-wanted sign. Anne arrived home and let her new pet out to play amongst the large, spacious mansion. The dog instantly bolted for the kitchen as if it knew where that was. Anne chased after the wild terrier and found it jumping at the fridge. 
knocking the letter magnets that her baby brother would play with down to the floor. Anne scolded the pup and picked it up. Maybe Mr. Turner was right about the dog. Maybe it truly was a mangy little mutt with no manners. Anne took the dog up to her room and placed it on her bed. The creature then jumped from her bed and grabbed a pen that had been sitting next to Anne's diary in its little maw and sprinted for the wall. The little thing slid into position, began pressing the pen against the wall as to mark it up in some obscene fashion. Anne grabbed the critter and had enough of its awful behavior. She commanded one of the butlers to bring her a dog cage immediately. The butler did as the young lady commanded and came back no more than ten minutes later with a dog kennel for the small terrier. Anne placed the dog in the kennel and went off to bed for the night. Anne had thought the kennel would solve the dog issue, but the little mutt wouldn't give up that easy. The dog had started to cry and howl throughout the night. It was unbearable, and Anne had finally had enough. She ordered one of the butlers to put a muzzle on the dog. They did as she commanded. Anne was finally ready to rest, then proceeded to bed. Anne went to school the next day and noticed that her best friend Veronica was absent from the bus ride. Anna had completely forgotten to check in on her friend. She had been too busy dealing with that annoying dog that she so stupidly wanted from the store. And now all because she wanted that dumb dog. She now has to start a new job at the pet store. Anne decided that whenever school was over, she would just take the dog and return it to the pet shop and apologize for ever asking for it in the first place. Hopefully then she wouldn't be forced into working at that old pet store. She went through the rest of the school day as normal and rode the bus home at the end of the day. When Anne arrived home, she collected the dog from its kennel and held it in her arm as she took it out to the garage and set it in the passenger seat with the muzzle still on its snout. Anne buckled up the dog and drove off. Anne was upset with the dog, which looked to be terrified as to wherever Anne might be taking it. As Anne made the turn into the plaza where the animal emporium was, the dog started to squirm uncontrollably and was able to squirm out of the seatbelt, bolting out of the convertible and across the parking lot. Anne threw the car into park and chased after the small dog. But it was no use. The small dog was faster on four feet than Anne was on two. Anne was so upset and felt sick to her stomach. The dog she agreed to work for was now gone. And now she had to work for no reason. She returned to her car and made it to the employee parking spot outside of the pet shop and made her way in. When Anne entered, she was greeted by Mr. Turner, explained her situation and all that had happened. Mr. Turner understood her plight, but explained that she did make a promise, that promises must be kept. 
but he also explained that he wouldn't work her too hard, and that she should go into the back room behind the counter to put on an employee apron. Anne nodded and proceeded into the back room. Entering into the back room, Anne found a rack of a few aprons. She put one on, and when she was tying it around her waist, she noticed a cell phone on the shelf. The cell phone looked quite familiar. It was an expensive, high-end cell phone that not a lot of people could afford. But maybe it belonged to Mr. Turner, she had thought. But the case on the phone was really pink and girly. So it couldn't be his, unless maybe he had a wife. But Anne never noticed a ring on his finger, so it was probably unlikely. She picked up the phone and the lock screen presented itself. Anne was shocked. The lock screen was of Veronica and herself. This phone was Veronica's phone. Lock screen faded to black, and she was greeted with her own reflection, that of Mr. Turner standing behind her. Mr. Turner, she asked, as she turned only to receive a syringe in her chest. The syringe was full of glowing green liquid, and was labeled, Mr. Turner into an animal juice, which she watched Mr. Turner inject into her. Anne was speechless and began to gasp for air. She fell to her knees in a panic and desperately tried to grasp the situation at hand. She was searching for an understanding, but her thoughts were fleeting. She could feel a change begin, a molding of her body and her mind into something different. It was hard to breathe, but she quickly forgot what that was like. At some point, she forgot to be afraid. Maybe that was before she had forgotten her name. Maybe it was after she had forgotten the life she had once lived. She didn't think of the new muscles or the new skeleton. She never knew how she ended up in that fish tank with the tinted glass. She swam around, kicking up the sand at the bottom of the tank. All she knew or didn't know was that she would swim and only swim.